When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to episode 296 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing California's Proposition 65, also known as the Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act. Now, if you are not a California resident, I'm not a California resident, don't worry, this episode is for all of us. If you are a California resident, you likely already know all about Prop 65. For the rest of us, you've likely never heard of this law before. But if you've seen the label, it probably alarmed you. So today I'm taking you on a journey, so to speak. Our journey starts in the 1960s in California. There are some familiar faces, some celebrities, if you will, in this story, There's an awful lot of good intention, but as with most stories, the story takes a turn. How did we get here in which a product label that was put into law with such good intentions? How is that label now mired in controversy? How is it now virtually ignored by California's citizens? My hope today is to take this relatively small story that's confined to California and explore the larger implications of the environmental movement. How and where did Prop 65 go wrong? And how can environmentalists like you and me, who push for that gold standard, which of course is policy change, how can we avoid the pitfalls present in California's Safe Drinking Water and Toxic Enforcement Act going forward? So big goals today. We have big goals, big dreams. Let's start with what exactly Prop 65 is. Well, according to California's Office of Environmental Health Hazard Assessment, Prop 65 was put into place so that companies and businesses no longer knowingly and intentionally expose consumers to potentially hazardous chemicals without, quote, first giving a clear and reasonable warning. Now, what on earth does that mean? Proposition 65 has upwards of 1,000 substances on its list that are banned in products for sale in California. So I was first introduced to Prop 65 two weeks ago. I'm going to a baby shower in a few weeks, and I purchased a baby monitor and its stand as a gift. So two different purchases, but they really go together, a baby monitor and a baby monitor stand. So when those packages arrived, there were two packages, 
I brought them upstairs to wrap them. And on the bigger box, so the stand, the metal-looking stand, there was a big, scary label. Now, if you've never seen the Prop 65 label before, let me spell it out for you. It is definitely attention-grabbing. There is a black, bold exclamation point in a bright yellow triangle. And then the words on the label say, in, again, big print, California residents, warning. The word warning is in bold font. So California residents, warning, cancer and reproductive harm. And then there is a link to the Prop 65 website. That's all it says. So big gigantic exclamation point in a big yellow triangle, warning, the words cancer, the words reproductive harm. Oh my goodness. The label ominously suggested to me that whoever uses this product can get cancer and may experience reproductive issues. So now as a Massachusetts resident, I had never seen this label before. I was alarmed, to say the least. A lot of thoughts went through my mind, and here are a couple of them in no particular order. Number one, why only for Californians? Do only Californians get cancer or experience reproductive issues? That doesn't make sense. So that was thought one. (laughs) Thought two, should I be touching this product right now? Should it be in my house right now? That was thought two. And thought three was the big one. Can I consciously, can I ethically even give this gift to a pregnant woman if it has this warning on it? So I'm sitting there on the floor of my guest room. My guest room is where I have all the gift wrap and tissue paper and all that. I'm sitting there. I'm staring at the box. I'm staring at my scissors, staring at the gift wrap, and I just don't know what to do. What a moral dilemma. So as a podcast host who's interested in conscious consumerism, I did exactly what you'd expect me to do. I stopped everything. I left everything on the floor, and I went to my computer. I started Googling. What is this alarming label? What does it mean? How concerned should I be? It's clearly not a marketing gimmick. It's the opposite of a marketing gimmick. A company would never willingly put this on their product unless it was deemed unsafe, right? Well... As it turns out, that is not quite true. So let's get into the history of Proposition 65. As I alluded to, it was made with such good intentions, the best of intentions even. California is generally regarded as forward thinking in terms of environmental issues and environmental protections. I personally would go so far to say that California leads the way traditionally in environmental action. First, it tends to happen in California, and then the rest of us, we follow their lead. We see this time and time again. California's pro-action started in the 1860s when they protected Yosemite. In 1947, they were the first state with an air pollution law. They were the first state to regulate automobile emissions. They were the first state to push for energy efficiency for appliances. They were the first state to push for energy efficient building codes. I could go on and on. Thank you to California and California's environmentally proactive citizens. Okay, but Proposition 65 does not follow this pattern. Proposition 65 is not what I would consider a success story. 
Depending on who you ask, Proposition 65 is one of three things. It is an embarrassing liberal scheme that seeks to overregulate, or it is a pointless sticker that everybody ignores, or finally, it's a running joke that Californians simply laugh at. So back to the history. This story starts in 1968. There was a corporate leak in the Dominguez Channel. The water in the channel got woefully polluted, and the company that polluted it, they received a $100 fine. Think about that for a minute. Think about a body of water near you. If a company or a corporation polluted that water and got, I don't know, let's just account for inflation and say a $5,000 fine, essentially a slap on the wrist, would you be angry? Because I sure as heck would be. All right, so that's 1968. In 1971, California learned that land in some of its counties was contaminated with a lot of nitrate and that that nitrate could contaminate the drinking water at any moment. So that's 1971. 1984, solvents from runoff electronics products contaminated all the groundwater in Silicon Valley. So 1968, 1971, 1984, Californians are faced with a lot of bad news with regard to the state of their drinking water. And as you can imagine, just like you or me, citizens were concerned. 40% of Californians stopped drinking their tap water out of fear of contamination. The general sentiment shifted in the state. Companies and corporations were no longer viewed as innocent until proven guilty. So they don't pollute unless you can prove it. That standard, that long-held standard was falling. And so the initial selling point of Proposition 65 was that it would eliminate toxins in water and the water supply by holding big businesses liable for its leaks. Now, here come the celebrities. Actress Jane Fonda was one of the earliest supporters of Proposition 65. She famously told a crowd that, quote, I want to be able to drink the water without risking my life or the life of my children. Big names such as Chevy Chase, Shelley Duvall, Rob Lowe, Cher, Whippy Goldberg, they all got behind Proposition 65 to advocate for it. And even though Chevron and Shell, the big gas stations, even though they spent four times more than organizations that supported the measure, they still lost the vote 37% to 63%. So a good margin proposition passed It went into effect in 1988. It was a gigantic win for environmental activists. And in 1988, when the law went into effect, 178 chemicals that were linked to cancer and birth defects then, as of that moment, required product labeling. If a company had those substances in their product but didn't label the product as such, they could pay up to $2,500 per day in fines. So think about how quickly that could add up. So again, great intentions. The law was originally meant to protect Californians from pollutants in their drinking water. And rather than just let companies assume their products are safe, Proposition 65 
Forrest's company to first prove that they are indeed safe for consumers like you and me. That sounds okay, right? As a conscious consumer, I'm personally okay with all of this. I want companies to be held liable if their products cause harm to human health or if they pollute public drinking water. I'm on board with all of that, theoretically at least. We are at the point in today's show where things take a turn. We're going to get into the controversy around, or I should say the controversies, plural, (laughs) around Proposition 65 after a quick ad break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet HomeThreads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we are back. We are discussing California's Proposition 65. What went wrong? (laughs) What went wrong with this law that started with such great intentions? We are on to the part in today's conversation where we discuss the controversies. As I was researching for this episode, I came across an article in the LA Times, which I have linked to in the show notes, and the article introduced me to the plight of the Vermont Soap Company. Vermont Soap is everything you would expect in an organic, small business made soap from Vermont. Vermont, by the way, being arguably the crunchiest state in the nation. And as a lover of all things Vermont, I say that with immense and intense love. But Vermont Soap has an organic certification, a non-GMO certification, a cruelty-free certification. Sounds great, right? However, 
one of the very natural, very organic, very non-GMO compounds in their soap recipe, which by the way, this compound is also found in carrots and lemongrass and hops. This compound has been linked to cancerous renal tumors in male rats when and only when they are force-fed large quantities of it five days a week. So this means if Vermont Soap wants to sell its soap in California, it either must reformulate or put on the scary sticker. Okay, so the most natural soap that could ever be, small business, the company did not want to get into litigation. And who blames them? They are a small company. The litigators have deep pockets. So Vermont Soap opted to add the sticker, the scary sticker to their products in order to comply with California law. And these days, companies in every sector, not just the soap sector, literally every sector, now routinely attach warnings if they have any of the more than 900 upwards of 1,000 chemicals covered by Proposition 65. And they do so without testing for them, without attempting to reformulate their products, because they fear a lawsuit more than they fear freaking out their customers. Where did Prop 65 go wrong? I see three ways. The first way Prop 65 went wrong is number one, it relies on citizen enforcers. These days, people, and more specifically, law firms, have made careers, have made millions and millions of dollars each year by calling out companies and litigating them. These private enforcers, or should I say law firms, tend to target very small companies for small companies, by the way, without the financial backing to fight in court. So they attack these small companies and then they settle and they run. Other publications have labeled these private enforcers tactics as high volume. So they do it a lot. Then they settle for a sum and then they run. These days, the citizens enforcers are law firms who are making careers who are making their wealth off of targeting smaller companies. Interesting. That's problem number one. Problem number two is that Proposition 65 sets very low thresholds for warnings. So what does this mean? This means that for birth defects, for example, warnings are required at one one thousandth of the level at which a certain chemical is shown to actually cause birth defects. So at one one thousandth of that level, with carcinogens, let's take lead, for example, the threshold is 0.5 micrograms per liter of lead per day. That amount, 0.5 micrograms, is below the amount of lead that you would find in an average serving size of balsamic vinegar. <laughs> it is nearly impossible to tell whether you should put down a product with a risk and pick up a product with a lower risk, they all have the same label. So if you're looking at two steering wheel covers, let's say, I don't know where I came up with steering wheel covers, but we're going to go with it. One may have a higher risk of harm, human health harm, than the other, 
but the label doesn't distinguish which one has a higher risk or a lower risk. They both have the exact same label. So because Prop 65 has such low thresholds and because virtually every product has the label, the label then is doing nothing to help inform consumers as they seek to make better, smarter, more informed purchases. And then finally, problem number three with the law. It has been criticized that the law causes unneeded worry and overwarnings about cancer and reproductive risks. I put out a question in my Instagram stories a few weeks back. I took a picture of the label on my baby monitor stand. I received hundreds of responses. The non-Californians responded to my picture of the label with alarm. They were scared. What is this thing? Oh my goodness. But the Californians who responded, their responses were overwhelmingly and resoundingly the same. They all said that they were immune to the label. They ignore the label these days. They pay it no attention anymore. And that's because the warning sticker is indeed everywhere and is indeed on almost everything. It's in coffee shops. For a while, it was on Starbucks drinks. It's on parking garages. It is on steering wheel covers. It is on bathing suits. It's in dentist's office. It's all over the place in Disneyland. It is everywhere. And because the label is everywhere, Californians are desensitized to it. The label is a scarlet letter of sorts, but if everything, if everyone's wearing the scarlet letter, the scarlet letter loses its power. It loses its punch. Now, I should say that there have been benefits to Proposition 65, Proposition 65 has resulted in businesses sometimes removing banned chemicals and substances from their products. These product reformulations, however, do not tend to get much media coverage. You might not even know what happens because in order to get that media coverage, a company would first have to admit that their original product, their original formulation may have been harmful. So companies tend to quietly reformulate, and those reformulations benefit Californians, yes, but if the product that we're discussing, product X, is sold nationwide or even worldwide, we're all benefiting from California's law. Here's an example. In 1995, a Proposition 65 lawsuit pushed eight faucet brands to reduce the amount of lead that slipped from the faucet and into the water. So eight faucet brands are now emitting less lead into all of our water. The law has led to reformulations from everything, water filters, baby powders, hair dye. And again, few of these reformulations have been publicized. So where do we go from here? The way I see it with regard to Proposition 65, and this isn't a Stephanie-specific statement. People much smarter than me tend to take the same approach. But if you see a Proposition 65 warning on a product that you might eat or that you would put on your body, on your skin, I suggest you take a closer look at it and turn the product over and actually look at the ingredients for something that might be concerning to you. But if you find this label on an electronic or on a 
cable, a charger, or even on a baby monitor stand, I personally wouldn't be all that worried about it. I will be giving the baby monitor and the baby stand as the shower gift if you're wondering. The fundamental question here is, should companies be responsible? Or should I say, should companies be held liable for what's in their products? And if so, how can it be enforced? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I feel as though this topic is a great one for the hive mind for all of you to sound off on. It's a great debate. So I need to hear from you. There is my email in the show notes, of course, for the international listeners. But if you are a U.S.-based listener, or even if you are a Canadian, I have listed the show's voicemail in the show notes. Call, leave a message, tell me your thoughts, especially if you're an international listener. I want to know how your laws operate in this realm. Again, the number is in the show notes. I'm not going to pick up the phone. You're not going to have to have a chat with me. It'll go straight to voicemail. Just leave your thoughts. And if I get enough thoughts, I'll make an episode out of them. There's no wrong thought. I want to hear all the thoughts. So many of you have been writing to me with feedback on everything from trash bags to ads on the show and everything in between. Hearing from you all is quite honestly the best part of what I do. So in going into 2023, my goal is to make this less of a me lecturing you and more of us all sharing our unique wisdom and life experience, really cultivating that community. So quick plug again, I want to hear from you on your thoughts about Proposition 65 and whether companies should be held responsible for what's in their products. Again, Numbers in the show notes, give me a call. I will see you on Tuesday and take care.